Good morning. Hello, everybody. Let's all stand together and join in singing hymn number one in the blue hymnal, What is This Place? And as we stand, I'd like to remind you that singing is a lot of fun. It's not a chore. So stand up straight, hymnal out in front of you like this. Let's sing together. Welcome to chapel. It's good to see all of you here. I hope that midterms are going well. We have a special guest with us this morning. He is the Bishop of the Diocese of Fort Wayne South Bend, Bishop Kevin Rhodes. Welcome. And now we're going to do the passing of the peace. Traditionally, one person says, the peace of Christ be with you, and the other responds saying, and also with you. So the peace of Christ be with you. Now I would like you to stand up and greet the people around you, at least seven people, get to know their names and where they come from. We invite you now to turn to number 64 in the green book, Somos el Cuerpo de Cristo, 64 in the green. And please stand, you don't get to sit during chapel today. Thank you. 
seated. Good morning and welcome to chapel. My name is Kevin Gary, professor here of education with a, cur with a courtesy appointment teaching philosophy as well. By the way, my introduction to philosophy course next spring still has space, sign up, seats are limited. I want to especially welcome any guests here to Goshen College today. Goshen, as you may know, is a Mennonite college within the Anabaptist tradition. And yet our visitor today is a Catholic bishop. I too am a Catholic, attending St. John's Parish here in Goshen. This is my eighth year here at Goshen College, working with Mennonites who are also known as the quiet in the land. Well, it turns out they're not that quiet. They love conversation and singing. Goshen College is a place where vibrant ecumenical and interfaith conversations happen all the time. And I would say they happen with the spirit of charity. Menno Simons, imitating Jesus, modeled this conversational charity. And what at first might appear as quiet reserve is in fact a desire to listen generously, to resist trying to intimidate or overwhelm, to speak the truth in love. Frankly, I find this quality to be seductive, although theologian Paul Keim here informed me that Mennonites do not like to think of themselves as seductive. <laughs> Nevertheless, what I most enjoy about Goshen College, and in particular working at a Christian liberal arts college, is the space it provides to talk about meaning and purpose. And when you're talking about meaning and purpose, you are on sacred ground. You're asking ultimate questions. You're asking religious questions. You are doing philosophy, by the way. <laughs> we are privileged to have Bishop Kevin Rhodes, wonderful name, by the way, to join us in this conversation today. It is my honor to introduce him. I should first mention, sorry to beat this drum, I should first mention, though, that Bishop Rhodes earned a bachelor's in philosophy. His studies, though, have taken him far and wide, including the Pontifical Gregorian University in Rome, as well as the University of Salamanca in Spain. He has advanced degrees in dogmatic theology and canon law. But turning to a more personal note, when, Kevin Bishop's, when Bishop Kevin Rhodes was installed as bishop, he had to select a personal motto that represents his personal spirituality and theologically based philosophy of life. He selected the phrase, the Latin phrase, veritatum in caritas, which from the Latin translates into the English as truth in charity. This motto draws inspiration from Paul's letter to the Ephesians, quote, all Christians are to earnestly speak the truth in charity and join with all peace-loving people in pleading for peace and trying to bring it about." End quote. It has been said, if there is not peace among the religions, there will not be peace in the world. The Apostle Paul, Menno Simons, and Bishop Kevin Rhodes remind us that peace is the fruit of love, speaking the truth through love. With that insight, that call to practice, we welcome Bishop Kevin Rhodes to Goshen College.
It is great to be with you this morning. I've been looking forward to this. I've heard so many wonderful things about Goshen College, and I feel very much at home already. If you've ever been to Catholic Mass, you know we're standing and sitting and standing and kneeling. You made me feel right at home at the beginning. And, uh, and you know, I'm especially grateful the, for the ecumenical spirit of this community. And I've heard, when I said I've heard many good things about Goshen College, one of the things that I, I heard was, was the service that you do. And that one semester where you go different countries of the world, and I think that's fantastic. As you may know, there's been a fruitful ecumenical dialogue between Catholics and Mennonites, between the Mennonite World Conference and the Vatican. It began in 1998. It seeks to promote better understanding of our respective teachings and also seeks to overcome some long-standing prejudices. And there's also a good ecumenical relationship between our communities here in this local area through bridge folk. Now on the international level, the dialogue report entitled Called Together to be Peacemakers has shown that Catholics and Mennonites hold many convictions in common. We both understand that reconciliation, nonviolence, and active peacemaking belong to the heart of the gospel. This mutual understanding has led to ever closer ties of friendship between the Catholic and Mennonite communities. Now I reflected prayerfully on what to speak to you about this morning. And I understand that your campus ministry's theme for this year is sowing compassion side by side. So in light of this theme, I'd like to talk to you today about our shared conviction regarding love and compassion for the poor. Now, I came up with that theme while I was praying because I had been thinking a lot about the teaching and the example of, of Pope Francis. So my talk will bring in a lot of what Pope Francis has been teaching and witnessing the past seven months since his election as Pope. Since his election, Pope Francis has set the love of the poor and the suffering at the heart of the church's mission. Not that it wasn't there before. However, our new Pope has given this mission renewed focus. And I think that's why he's been um, attract attractive to so many beyond the Catholic Church. I have so many other brothers and sisters in Christ of different Christian communities who come up to me and, and want to talk about Pope Francis. He's teaching us that to be Christians, to bear witness to the love of Christ who laid down his life for us, we must show our love for the poor and the downtrodden in real, practical, and evident ways. You may have read that when he was asked, the the, when he was asked um, why he chose the name Francis, because he's the pope, first pope in 2,000 years to choose the name Francis, he explained that during the election, the papal election in the, in the conclave in the Sistine Chapel, he was sitting next to a cardinal from Brazil who was a close friend of, friend of his. And after the votes were counted, 
And you can imagine what he must be thinking at that point. And he received the required two-thirds majority. This Brazilian cardinal turned to him and said, never forget the poor. And this impacted Cardinal Bergoglio, the newly elected pope, so much that he thought of St. Francis of Assisi at that moment. And he chose the name Francis, whom he called the man of poverty, the man of peace, the man who loved. And in an interview, he then added, after he explained why he chose the name Francis, how I wish for a church that is poor and for the poor. Nine days later, after his election, he had a meeting with the Vatican Diplomatic Corps. These are all the representatives from most countries of the world, ambassadors, so to speak. And he, ex he talked about this again, and he explained that one of the reasons he chose the name Francis was because of St. Francis of Assisi's love for the poor. And this is what he said to the diplomats. How many poor people there still are in the world, and what suffering they have to endure. But there is another form of poverty. It is the spiritual poverty of our time, which afflicts the so-called richer countries particularly seriously. So Francis's, Pope Francis's outreach to the poor includes not only the materially poor, but also the spiritually poor, those who lack hope, those who are neglected, those who suffer from loneliness, etc. Pope Francis has spoken often about young people who can't find a job. I mean, that's a huge problem in, in many countries. And he's spoken often about the elderly who are alone and ignored. He's spoken about immigrants, about those who have addictions, etc. And he's reached out to them in Rome and other places that he's visited these past several months. Brazil, Sardinia, Assisi, Lampedusa. Lampedusa, a lot of people never even heard of this island in the Mediterranean, and he went there. And if you've read about it in the news, he brought the whole world's attention to that little island where so many are trying to flee poverty in Africa and come across on boats to Europe, especially to Italy. And many have lost their lives, have drowned in the sea. And the Pope wanted to go there to meet with the migrants who were there and bring the world's attention to these immigrants. So, and everywhere he goes, in Italy and outside Italy, he plans visits to those who are poor and he extends to them compassion and love. He's setting an example for us, for the church, to live its teaching on what Catholics call the preferential option for the poor. And I think this is something that we would hold very much in common with Mennonites, this preferential option for the poor. Now, the Pope's own simple and humble lifestyle is also an example, especially for bishops and priests, but really for all of us. The example of a simple lifestyle.
Now, on the Feast of St. Francis, October 4th, the Pope visited Assisi. And I was really anxious to see what he was going to do and say there. I was a student in Rome for seven years. And once, pretty much every month, I would do an overnight to Assisi. Not only to get out of the hustle and bustle of Rome, but I love St. Francis. And I love to go hiking in the hills around Umbria. And I love St. Francis and St. Clair. And, and so I would go there for like a day retreat, an overnight retreat, just to pray and hike. And so anyhow, Assisi is a very special place for me. And then I, when I, after I was ordained a priest, by the way, I was a past, assigned pastor at St. Francis of Assisi Parish, the poorest parish in the Diocese of Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. So Francis has kind of followed me all through my life. Anyhow, that's getting off the topic. But when Pope Francis went to Assisi, it was very interesting. He's visited the different places where Francis is buried and Claire is buried. But he visited the room that marks the spot where St. Francis, when he was a young man, stripped naked before the bishop. You probably, if you've read about the life of St. Francis, he just took all his clothes off. His family was there. His father was there. And Francis renounced his wealthy family's goods and set out to serve the poor. And he, he said, you know, I have one father. It's my father in heaven because his own earthly father was rejected what he wanted to do. Anyhow, that room where that took place is called the Room of Renunciation because Francis renounced his family inheritance and, and, and earthly goods and set out to live a life of poverty. So Pope Francis went to that room, which still stands, and met there with a group of homeless people and people who are unemployed. And there, Pope Francis spoke about children dying of hunger, families without food, people being, who are forced to flee slavery and hunger. He spoke about St. Francis's choice, which was fundamentally to be like Jesus, to imitate our Lord, to follow him to the end. And he spoke about how Jesus stripped himself and made himself like us. And this is what Pope Francis said, I quote, Jesus is God, but he was born naked. He was placed in a manger, and he died naked and crucified. Francis stripped himself of everything, of his worldly life, of himself, to follow his Lord, Jesus, to be like him. And Pope Francis said that the renunciation of St. Francis tells us simply what the gospel teaches. Following Jesus means putting him in first place, stripping ourselves of the many things that we possess that suffocate our hearts, renouncing ourselves, taking up the cross, and carrying it with Jesus, stripping ourselves of prideful ego and detaching ourselves from the desire to possess, from money, which is an idol that possesses. So Pope Francis reminds us that the Christian is not just one who speaks about the poor, he's one who encounters the poor, who looks them in the eye, who touches them. And the Pope very strongly said that the church must strip away every kind of worldly spirit. He said that the church, and that means all of us, must strip herself 
of the worldliness that leads to vanity, to pride, that is, idolatry. He basically is asking us to put Christ first, like St. Francis did. And putting Christ first leads us to recognize him in the poor and the suffering. Pope Francis is teaching us by word and example to follow the path of Jesus Christ, who came not to be served, but to serve, who bore the suffering of the cross out of love for us, for our salvation. And he's reaffirming with all its force the church's preferential option for the poor. I have five minutes left, okay. One of the key principles of Catholic social teaching is what we call the principle of the universal destination of goods, which means all the goods of the earth are meant for all people. And this requires that the poor, the marginalized, and those whose living conditions interfere with their proper growth should be the focus of particular concern. It involves the exercise of Christian charity, and this should affect the life of every Christian inasmuch as we seek to imitate the life of Christ. It involves the way we live, our manner of living. It involves rejecting the immoderate love of riches or their selfish use. We're called to imitate Christ's compassion, inspired by Jesus' own poverty, his teachings, and his attention to the poor. And our love for the poor concerns not only material poverty, but also the numerous forms of cultural and religious poverty. In the Catholic tradition, we speak about the corporal and spiritual works of mercy. The works of mercy are charitable actions by which we come to the aid of our neighbor in his or her spiritual and bodily necessities. Instructing, advising, consoling, comforting are spiritual works of mercy, as are forgiving and bearing wrongs patiently. Those are the spiritual works of mercy. And then there are the corporal works of mercy, like feeding the hungry, sheltering the homeless, clothing the naked, visiting the sick and imprisoned, and burying the dead. The Catechism of the Catholic Church says human misery elicited the compassion of Christ the Savior, who willingly took it upon himself and identified himself with the least of his brethren. Hence, those who are oppressed by poverty are the object of a preferential love on the part of the church. So my message to you today is very simple. I wish to encourage you to this imitation of the compassion of Christ. The theme for your campus ministries this year is a great challenge, sowing compassion side by side. This is the gospel. Think of the meaning of that word, compassion, from the Latin, cum passio, to suffer with. That's what Jesus did. That's what St. Francis did. And that's what Pope Francis is calling Christians to live today.
true compassion. Not just externally helping our neighbor in need, but truly helping from our hearts. Truly being in solidarity with the suffering, with those in need. In a speech a couple months ago, Pope Francis posed two questions. Tell me, when you give alms, do you look into the eyes of the man or woman to whom you give alms? And when you give alms, do you touch the hand of the one to whom you give alms, or do you toss the coin? These are great questions. We're to bring Christ's love to those whom we seek to serve and help. I remember Pope Benedict also stressing that there's something of which every suffering person has even greater need, loving personal concern. This is compassion. When I was pastor, said it was a very, very poor parish, we fed at St. Francis of Assisi Parish 250 people every day, uh, a, a, a full meal at lunchtime. And, but it had to be much more than just handing out food. So we had to help our people to understand that the people who were coming to us, who were hungry, who were materially poor, had a greater need, and that was that loving personal concern. So it wasn't enough to hand out the food. It was important to walk around and sit down, talk with the people, and share from the heart with them. That's what makes Christian charity different from just philanthropy. May the Lord help all of us to grow in true Christian charity and compassion. May God bless this community of Goshen College as you seek to sow compassion. And thank you for this opportunity to be with you today as my brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you so much, Bishop Rhodes. Uh, you have truly reminded us of the connection between poverty and the spirit and the words of our Lord, who said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for they shall be called the children of God. I'd like to welcome you officially to Goshen College campus, as I did your predecessor, Bishop D'Arcy, who we remember fondly, and him having spoken here at Goshen College a number of times over the years. And I remember just recent, I mean, during his funeral mass when I was there, and you, you mentioned not only you described him for all of the uh, great legacy that he left, but you also reminded us that he was a uh, Boston Red Sox fan, and I think he'd be very happy. He's probably rooting from heaven even as we speak this morning. But thank you so much for coming. And let me just say, as a Bible teacher who spent many years teaching the Older Testament in ecumenical seminary settings, when I heard that the uh, St. Mary's Press had, with their Catholic Youth Bible, found much great success such that they decided that they would do a uh, student, a college student, uh, Bible edition as well, I was even more impressed. And then I was humbled and honored 
when they uh, uh, asked me if I would write the introductions to the Pentateuch and each of the first five books of the uh, Catholic Study Bible. It was a real uh, generous opportunity to have a, uh, a Mennonite biblical theologian writing in a college Catholic Study Bible. And so I would like to uh, present this to you uh, as a gift from Goshen College knowing that our differences are probably no more different than the differences that we find within the pages of Holy Scripture, and that as we were reminded by Pope Francis, who recently invited all of us to authentic faith in the Word of God, which is more sacred, he said, than a book, but above all is the person, Jesus Christ, the Word of God made flesh. And so in that confession, I'm, I'm certain there is no light between us with, and receive you as a kindred spirit today, and we're very grateful that you have come to be with us. So thank you for coming, and God bless you in your ministry. Thank and you, Jim. Thank you. Before we receive a benediction from Bishop Rhodes, let's sing the prayer of St. Francis, number 56, in Sing the Journey, the Green Book. Number 56. And why don't you stand? Now the final blessing. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you with his gentle kindness and give you the vision of his saving wisdom. May he continue to nourish you with the teaching of faith and enable you to remain steadfast in doing what is right. May he turn your steps always toward him and lead you along the pathway of peace and charity. And may Almighty God bless you all, the Father and the Son 
and the Holy Spirit. Thank you, everyone.